Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Welcome, world changers. I'm your host, Brian Ensminger, and this is the Engaging Missions Show. Our guest today is preparing to go back on the mission field for a one-year commitment with Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. Right now, he's in the U.S. preparing to raise funds and preparing for his trip, but, but by the time this interview actually goes up, he will probably be on his way to Switzerland as a staff member. There, he'll be serving and helping to disciple people and also to make the name of Jesus known among the nations. So, Connor Britt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. So, you know, I've known you for several years, maybe not all that closely, but I've known you for a little while. But a lot of the people connected to this show have probably never even heard your name before. So I've shared just a little bit about what you have going on as far as your ministry preparation. But can you share with us a little bit about who you are, about your family, about kind of what's going on in your life? Yeah, definitely. Um well, of course, I was raised in a Christian home, so my family's all all very churched and very, very Christian. Um, and for me, um, missions was always on my heart. Uh, when I was a little kid, I used to follow my pastor around um, because I wanted to be a pastor. I, I don't know what it was, but my relationship with Jesus um, was always just a very, very um, core part of who I was. Um, and so when I got older and really developed my own relationship with Jesus, missions was... Um, was pretty much just a, a, a no-brainer that was what I was most passionate about, um, you know, making the relationship with Jesus that I already had known. Um, so now, what, what's going on with me? Um, I'm like, like you said, I'm really just preparing, and I'm trying to continue to seek to know the Lord. Um, really, in going into missions, my main my main focus is always me knowing the Lord, me drawing nearer to God and trying to uh, emanate Him. Um, so that's what it really, right now I'm doing a, a study in Hebrews and, you know, reading about how Christ was the exact representation of God. And I, I'm trying to learn and, and know about who Christ is and, and, and try to live that out as well. So that's pretty much all I've been doing is studying the Bible and trying to prepare for, for my missions going into YWAM. Okay, that's that's good. So, Connor, you've shared a little bit about yourself and the fact that you're preparing. A lot of people might expect that preparing involves raising funds and that kind of thing, but it probably also involves a few other things, maybe some scripture, some Bible study. What does preparation for a one-year commitment to YWAM look, for you, look like for you? 
Well, for me, I mean, yes, there's a lot of um, fundraising, so I've been I'm doing that a lot too. But I've also been um, trying to meet with pastors, trying to meet with the people that you know helped raise me or, or guide me into my relationship with Christ. Um, for me, yeah, finances are are necessary, but what's um, more important for 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 me personally is the the consecration. I think. Um, and so while I've been back in the States um, preparing to go, my my main concern is that I, I become consecrated to Christ and um, try to set myself apart and live in holiness and live in righteousness and, and get closer to Him. Um, I want everything that I do to come out of a, a place of, of intimacy with Him. And so to prepare is really just to you know, consecrate yourself to Christ for tomorrow. You'll, you'll see great things. Um, so getting into the scriptures a lot, I try to read, um, at least half an hour a day, sometimes up to two hours a day. I try to open my day up with worship and prayer. Um, really the intimacy with Christ, the, um, the personal relationship and the consecration that, that to me is the biggest part of preparation. So you, you've mentioned the word consecration several times. I believe that comes primarily from from the book of Joshua. Can you share with us what you mean when you say consecration? Um, at least to me, consecration is being set apart um, and being made holy. Um, kind of my understanding of consecration is consecration is what I do to become holy, and then there's sanctification, what God does to make me holy. Um, so that is is very intentionally um, living a, a Bible-believing, Bible-based life, um, pretty much looking at what the Bible says, looking at what God tells, tells me to do and do it so that I become um, devoted to God and kind of just, you know, abstaining from, I don't know, shows that, you know, I would like to watch or, or music I would like to listen to but isn't exactly holy, Um and so that my heart becomes transformed into his and to really seek him and allow him to conform me into him, his image. Um, yeah, I think that just the, the setting apart and, and making distinct. Okay. And you've, you've also mentioned a few times that you're spending a lot of time in the scriptures right now. Is there maybe a, a meaningful or a key scripture that God's given you as, been, as you've been preparing? Um, yes, actually, um, there's, there's two two uh, scriptures, two verses that have always been um, pretty important to me. There's John 17, 3, and that's, um, this is eternal life, that you may know me, or know God, the only true God in Jesus Christ who you have sent. That, to me, has always been um, one of my very core beliefs, is just the knowledge of God and knowledge of, of Christ. Um, when I, you know, really that pretty much defines what eternal life is and that kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things um because a lot of people think of eternal life and they think of just you know hanging out in heaven and having a good time but the eternal life that you can know here the fullness of life that god brings in just knowing him has always been um i mean it's what gotten me through the day a lot of times it's what's um compelled me and what's made me who I am just seeking to know him. And, and like I said earlier, like knowing him, that is the most important thing to me. Um, and the other one is revelation 14, 14. It's really just one line. It's talking about the, um, those that God puts his seal on and the spirit on, um, 
and it's, it just kind of defines what a disciple is and um, kind of halfway through the verse it says those who follow the lamb wherever he goes and um, I don't know ever since I I guess discovered that verse that I was always been kind of just touched my heart. I was like, I want to be that. I want to be the guy that follows the lamb wherever he goes, um, whether it's hard or, you know, in America, wherever. You know, I, I remember the first time that the John seventeen three kind of rocked my world. I, I don't know about your experience, but my perspective, I think, growing up was largely kind of what I would call an escapism theology, where, you know, we have to endure this world until it's all over, and then we go get to be fat babies on clouds, right? We've, we live in heaven, and I get that. But the idea that actually eternal life is knowing God, that just was foreign to me for a really long time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. As, as you've been preparing, uh, actually, as you look over your life, have there been any times of significant challenge, maybe a, a time of challenge or failure that you could share with us? Yeah, actually. Um, so in the, um, in the fall of 2013 and, uh, winter and spring of 2014, I had actually done a discipleship training school with, with youth with mission. And that was an experience in and of itself. But, um, after that time, I had come home, um, and it was it was just a really difficult period in my life. Um, when I when I got home, I received a very clear word from the Lord um, saying that the, the life that I had before it was not the life that He was calling me to. That He wanted me to um, I don't know prepare to leave and and kind of just really seek Him and. Um, set myself apart to him, like more consecration, I guess. Um, and I, I don't know why, but if I'm completely honest, um, at that point I chose to ignore him and I, um, I didn't do that. I didn't seek him and I didn't seek his will for my life. I became kind of selfish. Um, and so this is kind of a bit of failure. Um, didn't know a lot of failure actually. So I didn't, I didn't really choose to make Christ my Lord, um, right after a missions trip, which is, you know, weird timing. Um, but I didn't make Christ my Lord and I didn't do what he said. I, I, um, I kind of just stayed where I was comfortable. I went back to the same job and hung around the same people and did the same things. And because of that, I kind of fell into a bad place because my relationship with Christ wasn't my priority at that time. Um, and I really, really suffered the consequences there. And I don't think God ever punished me, but I think, Having come from a mission field, having come from being going through discipleship training school and not making my relationship with God my priority, um, it was kind of natural for me to fall into a depression. And so I started struggling with, with suicide a lot. And, um, well, not, but thoughts of suicide. It became um, kind of a daily debate of whether I was going to do it. And I fell into sin and all sorts of stuff. So, that was just a really dark and challenging time. And, and what ended up coming out of that was um, God bringing me to the place where he had me hold on to the fact that God was good. And um, a lot of my theology was challenged like then, and a lot of my beliefs was challenged then. I didn't really know what I, what I believed and what I felt. But one thing I knew was that God was good. And so I kind of held on to that. I was like, okay, I trust that God is good even you know, even if I'm not, or even if nothing really looks right or feels right, if I don't feel God at all, I trust that God is good. And, um, and know God is powerful to redeem. God is, is, God is good. So 
me holding on to the fact that God is good. He really brought me out of that and really brought me to a higher place than it was even before um, I fell into that place. So if I can, I'd, I'd actually like to encourage you and maybe some other people that are resonating with your story right now, because a lot of times we'll hear things like, you know, anything, uh, ba- basically delayed obedience is a form of disobedience. And I don't necessarily want to discount that. But at the same time, Jesus does tell a story of two brothers whose father said, go to the field and do some work. And one brother says no, and then goes and does it. The other one says, sure, no problem, and then doesn't. And the question is, which one of those did the will of the father? So my encouragement to you would be, yeah, you did have some time where you were not not maybe obedient at the moment, but you're walking back into that. So I think that you actually are doing what God would have as part of his will for you. Now, one other question as we kind of tie a bow on this section is, do you have any personal habits, anything that you do daily or on a regular basis that you believe contribute to what God's already done in your life? Um, I try to just, just really, really off the top of my head, I try to wake up and um, spend a little bit of time in, in worship. I, I play guitar, so I, I like worship a lot. So I try to, I wake up and I spend, um, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes in worship every morning. And then I go and I I read the Bible for, you know, sometimes, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes an hour. Um, And I really just think that, that, that pattern of waking up, starting the day with worship and with reading the word of God, I think that's um, probably the, the best thing um, that I do in my personal life. And I, I really think that kind of defines how God can talk to me because, you know, spending that time in the word, really um is just helpful i guess so i think that really um ties into what god has done into my life just me seeking him in that way um i think god has been able to use that time to to really help me good deal well with that we are going to go ahead and tie a bow on this section we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to shift our focus away from connor and more toward the ministry that god's calling him in take your leadership to the next level It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. Good day. This is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. I want to talk to you today about selfishness. Ooh. Okay. Since we have to talk about this, how are we going to take a look at it? The phrase that comes to mind for me, and that's often the way the Lord speaks to me and motivates me and inspires me, is by giving me phrases or inspiring phrases inside of me. And the one that came to mind in this case is regarding selfishness. Kind of an ugly ugly topic, I realize. Um, the phrase that came to mind was, the thick lens of selfishness so distorts the perspective of the immature. I think when we're born, um, naturally, and often spiritually as well, we are the center of our own universe. Um, You know, we are the only thing that we know that exists that is of importance. That's not uh, unnatural. It does, uh, I think, accurately describe where each of us uh, begin. But we get on the process from there of maturing and coming to realize that we're not the center of the universe. To the degree that we hang on to our immaturity, which we can, uh, certainly mentally and spiritually we can hang on to immaturity. 
to the degree that we do, we are surrounded by the selfishness that we began with. And this is a destructive thing. Selfishness disqualifies you from being an example. Uh, you can't be more mature than you can be at the time and station that you're in, but you can press forward to maturity. And that, I think, is what I want to encourage you to do. Selfishness disqualifies us um, because it was not the motivation that uh, animated the life of Jesus. And it, from time to time, uh, will raise its head in our lives just to make an appearance. When it does, be quick to apologize to those who it prosecutes itself against. And uh, don't let your ongoing perspective be distorted by selfishness. Don't. You know, don't deceive yourself into thinking that everything was created with you in mind. On the other hand, press forward to maturity and realize that you're given opportunity and advantage for the purpose of service and benefit of other people. Blessings to you as you go forward in your maturity in Christ. This is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media outlets at FX Missions. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have a leadership question, send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we are back with Connor Britt. We just finished up talking and getting to know him a little bit, hearing some of the, the things that have happened in his life. Now we're going to shift our focus to the ministry, and this is a bit interesting because he is here in the U.S. raising funds and preparing to go back on the mission field, so maybe not everything is 100% nailed down, but we're going to take some time and focus on that. But before we get to talking about the ministry in particular, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how after a challenging experience and a season of what we might call dryness or a, you know maybe not following Jesus exactly in lockstep god confirmed that that connor should go back on the mission field and connor i'd like to hear from you how did god confirm that yes this is what you should do well for me god made it pretty pretty clear cut um like i said i got to the point where i um i knew god was good and i i just started holding on to that um and actually, I think it was within the month of, because there was one specific night where I was like, okay, God, um, I don't I don't feel close to you, but I know you're good, and I'm going to hold on to that. I think there was one specific night, and about a month later, um, I started having so many people come up to me. And um, there, there's, I think, four people within a week period Um come up to me and speak very specifically. Um, they're, they're very individual people. Most of these people didn't even know each other. Um, and, um, you know, one person was like, I really think God has more for you. Um, I, I really think you're kind of limiting God with your past experiences. And um, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't really take that well. I kind of got angry. Um, <laughs> but about two days later, there was another person that was um, – that kind of resonated, like, have you ever thought about going back into YOM? And then another person was like, I, I really believe that you should go back in the mission field. I, I think God you know, wants you still there. And then about a week from, that was all within one week, and then about four days later, I met with, um, who is now a good friend, Seth Brooks. Um, he is a leader in YOM Perth. And um, 
I met with him. He just wanted to discuss my, my time. And, um, so we were, we were talking and he kind of asked me about what I was doing. And at that point I was going into a trade school. Um, and he asked me if I had prayed about that. And I, I said, no, I didn't pray about it to be honest. Um, and he said, I, I want you to pray about going back into YOM. I want you to pray about whether God wants you in missions. Um, and again, I got a little bit angry about that as well. Hmm. But, you know, I just was scared at that point. But I did. Um, I wanted to respect him and to respect God. And so I went home and I was like, okay, God, you know, lead me and guide me. If, if this is what you want, then, then you know, I guess this is what is best for me. And um, that took me through like a period of time where my heart had been very adverse to the idea of going back into missions. I really didn't want to go into missions and I really didn't really didn't want to go to, to, you know, back to YWAM. Um, and yet somehow within, within a month, um, God had changed my heart and spoken to my heart through, you know, reading the scriptures or listening to sermons, um, kind of about the, the importance of the gospel. Um, and really changed my heart and showed me that he had more for me. And so I got to the point where, you know, a month earlier, I, going back to YOM was the, the last thing I ever wanted to do. I got to the point where that, that was all I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, I kind of, I'm kind of accepting that, that God does want me to do this. And then I went through a, like a, a period of fundraising to go back into to YOM. And um, at that point I was just going to do a school and that's all I was going to do. But from that point forth, um, from the point that I kind of accepted, okay, God does want me in YWAM, at least for now, um, and God is calling me into missions. Um, just my personal relationship with Christ grew uh, a lot, and in, in reading the scripture, my desire to spread the gospel, um, I mean, that exploded, and I started to to think of or consider, I started to consider the gospel the most important thing that I had received, that I had, um, that I could do. Um, everything else has has become a hobby to me. Like I said, I play guitar, and that used to, you know, be my passion. But but now it's kind of very very small in in com- in comparison to my desire to spread the gospel. That is, like the, the gospel is mo- the most important thing in my life, and so that kind of defined. Um, I guess, defined my heart and, and defined what I felt, my, what my calling was. Um, and as I went on over, you know, the next few months getting, this was back in September. And as I went on through the next few months, um, I started to have, have a, just a really strong feeling in the, you know, in my gut, um, that once I left for, for YOM to do a school, it was the biblical core course. It's a Bible study. Um, that God wouldn't have me coming back for an extended period of time that he was calling me into missions. And this was confirmed. I never told anybody, but this was confirmed to me by several people who kind of voiced this same thing in the same words, um, or very similar words. There is, you know, my dad and one of my best friends and a couple of my leaders. And, um, it just felt like everybody around me was being told the same thing, um, including myself. And so, as soon as I got into Switzerland, because I was in Switzerland in April, um, doing the Bible school, as soon as I got there, there was just this feeling of peace 
and this feeling of joy and um, kind of a strong conviction of this is where I have you. And so, yeah, I guess that would be the majority of the story there. Okay. So looking forward, you're, you're headed out very soon to be on staff or a staffer with YWAM in Switzerland. What does that mean? What does a staffer do? Um, at least my, my view of it is, um, a staffer is a servant of all is how I would say. Um, and so I'm going to go there and I'm going to staff there and, you know, I might be, I might be staffing a school and what that entails is kind of pouring into other people and, and helping them, um, helping students, um, along the way of being discipled and really laying down myself and doing everything that I can to point people towards Christ, um, and to help people get closer to Christ. Um, and I think that is the, the majority of it. Um, you know, whether that's leading a small group, um, or having one-on-ones and, um, so during schools, there's a lecture phase and there's an outreach phase. So I'll, I'll lead, you know, one-on-ones and, and, and small groups and pour into people kind of as a, um, what's sort of like a youth leader type role, um, just pouring myself into people, you know, praying and, um, and seeking God on behalf of people doing a lot of intercession and trying to guide people through the discipleship process. And then also, um, helping to lead a outreach, um, on the latter half of each school, um, and the, the outreaches go all over the place and that's just, I mean, it's a, it's a mission trip, um, to a different country. Um, but outside of schools, you know, I'll still be staffing and, um, I don't know exactly what they have for me to do there. Um, but you know, it could be administrative work and it could be, um, like recruitment work or it could be, you know, cleaning toilets. It's kind of whatever needs to be done. Um, whatever they need me to do kind of just saying, okay, I'm going to do this and, um, helping to evangelize to the city there and helping to serve there in whatever way God has for me. Okay. And I guess I have a couple of follow-up questions. One just kind of piqued my interest as you were talking about going on outreach. And I think I know the answer to this, but you're raising funds right now to go be on staff. But I think that pretty much just covers your living expenses. Do you also have to raise funds for the specific tri- trips that you potentially will lead? Um, that is, so my ultimate goal in raising funds is about a thousand a month. And, um, if I get a thousand a month, that will be kind of setting aside a little bit so that, when I do lead trips, um, I have the money there to, to, to do that. So the thousand a month um, that I'm trying to raise that covers, um, all expenses, including any of the schools that I will staff and need to go anywhere with, um, the base kind of tries to help their staff out, um, as much as they can, as far as sending, sending staff into, you know, outreaches, um, Okay. Yeah. And, and as you think about, I, th- I think is what, maybe six months since you've been back from your most recent trip. Is that about right? It's actually only been a month and a half. No way. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's, it just seems like I've seen you around longer than that. Uh, as you're thinking back to that most recent trip, sometimes there are challenges, there are um, opportunities to be discouraged or to feel weak. What, what strengthened and encouraged you in those moments? Um, well, there's been, a, there's been a few people who have just been very encouraging to me, you know, just to, I mean, to be completely honest, um, 
when we started this interview and, you know, you, you were talking, um, about the, um, the two, the two brothers that, that Jesus mentioned, one went out and, you know, said he would do the will and didn't. And the other one said he wasn't going to do the, the will of God. And he did, um, just that story, the, how you encouraged that, that was actually really encouraging to me. And that was actually just a very well-timed word from the Lord that I really needed to hear. Um, so there's been a few people who just at the, at the right time, um, have spoken to me, uh, a very just straight from God kind of word that has really, really encouraged me. And also just the, um, you know, the Bible, the word of the Lord, that, that, that really has been, um, find that foundational. And this time that I've been back, um, to really go to and seek encouragement from and seek, um, just kind of short, short footing from. So I think just reading the Bible and getting into the word has been my most encouraging, my most strengthening thing. Okay. And as you're looking forward to this upcoming transition, I'm just wondering, has God given you any insight into some of the things that he's planning to do? Maybe some of the changes he's planning to make or some of the things he's calling you toward? Ooh, man, I, I don't know if I'm completely honest. Um, I know he's called, called me there and I know he's put very specific desires in, in my own heart. But, but for right now, I, I really, I really don't know what he has for me if I'm completely honest with you. Yeah. Well, sometimes he tells us, sometimes he doesn't, right? I was just, I was wondering, um, if he had shared that. And, and I guess the one other question that I have is I'm thinking about motivation and what drives you as you're approaching this, what is it that's fueling your passion? The desire to know God. Um, uh, that is, like I said, that is the most important thing to me. And that is, that is kind of what, what fuels my desire more than anything is, um, the desire to know God and the desire to seek him out. And of course you can seek God and know God anywhere, but I, I feel that for me specifically, um, missions is the best way for me to know God. And, um, so that's kind of what piqued my interest in the very beginning to ever want to do missions is to, to want to know God, to have that eternal life that John 17, three missions. Um, and as I get to know God, um, the more I know God, the more I'm, I'm fully convinced that what the world really, really needs is to know Jesus. The more people I, I meet and I love and the more, um, really the more disparity I see in the Lord or not in the Lord, in the world, um, the more I realize that the world needs the Lord. Um, and so that desire to know God, that, that knowing God that, um, I've received that I've been blessed with, um, thus far, then kind of boils over into this desire for the world to know God, the world to be, you know, transformed by knowing God. Um, I just see the, the necessity of knowing God so much in my own life and in the, the life of the world. That's great. Uh, Connor, thanks for sharing that. We're going to take another quick break. We're, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus away from your specific ministry, and we're going to shift it more toward the listeners. So if you're listening to this, stick around for another couple minutes. We'll be right back. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. And I was just meeting with an IMB missionary friend with another um, business owner friend who runs a much larger larger company than I do. And we're, we're sitting there going, we do believe there's a sleeping army in the marketplace. How can we mobilize them? Well, a really powerful way 
is to get them overseas in a place like India where we're seeing this these movements of church planning happening. Mm-hmm. And, and when guys see that and gals see that in the marketplace, they go, how can we see that here in the U.S.? So for the first time, I think really in history, we've got Americans, Westerners coming to countries like India and asking on the ground leaders there, hey, how can we see a multiplying movement that reaches people who won't come to church here in the United States. And that that gets me excited, Brian, because uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from what missionaries are doing overseas that we can apply here in the U.S. through our businesses, through our families, and through our communities as business owners. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of The Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. If you're enjoying the Engaging Mission show, would you consider partnering with us? You can do that by telling people about the show or by donating to help cover the cost of the show. Visit engagingmissions.com slash partner to learn more. All right, we are back with Connor Britt. He just shared some amazing stuff with us as far as God's calling on his life and what he does to uh, to keep himself before the Lord and how God's fueling his passion. Now we're shifting our focus toward you as the listener. We're going to draw from Connor's years of experience in uh, growing up, a little bit of time in the workplace, a little bit of time in ministry, and just kind of some all-around experience. So Connor, I know that most of the people listening to this show are here in the U.S., and they're called into the marketplace. They, they may minister there, but they're not called into what we would consider vocational ministry. And sometimes in that, in that time, it can f- begin to feel like we don't, what we do doesn't really matter. What would you share with somebody if you were talking to them and then said, you know, I'm called into the marketplace, but I'm not sure if what I'm doing really matters for the kingdom? You know, I was actually praying about this last night, and... Um... One thing that's really interesting is um, in the Bible, um, the brother of Jesus, it was, you know, James, James, the brother of Jesus, he, um, he ended up becoming a very, very, um, very key church, church leader. Um, he became a very important person and, and, you know, wrote the book of James and that was an incredible, you know, book as far as doctrine and, and theology, um, and interestingly enough, he never actually left Jerusalem. He never actually left his home. Um, he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, um, but he he never actually left that. Um, he stayed, you know, where he was, you know, born. Kind of, he, he stayed kind of in his home area. Whereas, you know, Paul never even even met Jesus face to face, except on the road to Damascus. Um, Paul, you know, went off into, you know, Rome and all these other countries. And, you know, some people believe he went into Spain, but, but James stayed, the brother of, you know, our Lord stayed in the same place. And, um, and God used him and the, the people that just went to his, his church just as much as, as, as he used Paul, even though we hear about Paul more, um, the people that, that stayed in Jerusalem, um, and kind of just did their, everyday lives, um, were just as, as influential as Paul ever was. Um, again, we hear about Paul more, but that is not to say that, that James and, and those who just went to his church, um, were not influential. Actually, Paul encourages just, uh, a lot of people just to, um, 
you know, live quiet lives and work with your hands and, and show the love of God in that way. And that has, you know, historically been one of the greatest way God, God has spread the gospel. Um, you know, there are people called to preach the gospel in, you know, streets of closed nations and God uses those people in, in great ways, but God also uses the people that are just alongside, um, the, the everyday life, you know, going to work, um, that God uses just as tremendously, um, yeah, just as tremendously. And they're just as important, just showing the love of God, um, throughout the everyday so that, you know, the world can get a perspective of who Jesus is because they're going to get a perspective of who Jesus is. And as long as they're going to get a perspective, but it it might be a worldly perspective, but as long as there is some Christian in their life really seeking after God in the everyday, they'll have some truth in their life to contend with all the lies. Connor, what would you share with somebody who is living here in the States or in North America, and they look up one day and they realize that the face of their community is beginning to change, that maybe the people who live next to them or who work next to them or who shop in the same grocery store are from another country, another culture, maybe another religion, and they're starting to realize that they're coming in contact with people that we used to just, we sent missionaries over there. We never thought we would actually run into someone from there. I, for one, I think that's amazing when that happens. Um, I, I lived in a, um, a community of, of mainly, um, mainly Hispanic and Latinos, um, from, you know, New Mexico, Mexico, uh, Guatemala and Honduras and, um, refugees from, from Burma. And, um, I, I personally think that's amazing. I think that's, that's just a a fantastic thing. God kind of, um, (laughs) mixing the, the world around so that, so that people from Burma can, can get the gospel by coming to America as well. I think that's um, a tremendous thing. Um, I think that's great. Also, not, not only for the people that are coming into our country, but kind of also for us kind of learning because God made those people as well. And, you know, some of those people, you know, are really great Christians. Um, and so we can learn from their faiths, a different kind of perspective. And, um, some people aren't, and we can learn from their culture and kind of shed, um, light into, you know, the light of Christ into their lives. Um, you know, I, I think it's amazing to meet other cultures and, um, you know, in heaven, I kind of look forward to getting up there and seeing a bunch of people that I never imagined meeting before from tribes that I never even knew existed. Um, and though, you know, um, you know, today on earth is certainly not heaven. Um, I think it's a great opportunity to spread the gospel and to, you know, just live as the kingdom of God when, you know, communities and, and cultures mix. Yeah. So I'd, I'd actually kind of forgotten that you spent a couple of years living in that, that mixed culture, if you will. Do you have any insights for us if we wanted to begin forming a relationship with somebody? Yeah. Um, for me, while I was there, um, I was pretty young when I was living there, but for, for me, I was with a bunch of people that, um, were, they were, they were pretty disrespected, um, in general. If, if I'm completely honest, a lot of people were just, just didn't really respect them. And, um, how I ended up forming relationships is I just showed up and very, I was very respectful to them, but I was, I was really loving to them and I was really kind of just genuinely interested. And I, I played soccer with them. That was actually how I made most of my relationships while I was there. Um, 
that got in and got involved into something they were interested in and then gave them the respect um, that they that they just deserved and showed them the love and treated them, you know, treated them like they were actually better than me. Like, you know, when it comes to soccer, they were better than me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just got into involved in something they were interested in and they had a heart for um, and I showed them love and, you know, showed them respect and was kind of like, ah, oh, you're amazing guys. And, um, that formed a lot of really good relationships. And I think that actually they ended up, ended up, you know, they were kind of skeptical of me for the first you know month or two, but after I got into it, they actually started to really love me. And so I would see them, I would see them around town. I would see them in Walmart and they'd be like, Hey, and like come up to me and, and give me a hug and such like that. And it just, just formed this really special relationship just like I said getting involved in something they cared about and then showing them respect and love and 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 showing them that you know even though some people may be disrespecting them um unfortunately you know I wasn't going to disrespect them I was going to respect them and love them and and treat them as they were you know made in God's image is there an internet resource maybe a tool that you use that you could recommend for our listeners I uh, gotta be honest, I am not very tech savvy, and so I try to stay off the internet as much as I can. <laughs> okay, well, how about a book? Is there a book you'd recommend? Um, <laughs> other than the Bible, um, right now I haven't really been reading a lot of books. Uh, not the most resourceful guy, I guess. Um, but uh, my utmost is highest, highest. I feel like that's a pretty standard one. But Oswald Chambers, my utmost is highest. That is one of my favorite devotionals, and that has a, a ton of insight. Okay, and for for those of you who are listening, we will have all of the the resources and everything linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions dot com slash Connor Britt. That's C O N N O R B R I T T. So you can stop by there and make sure that you've got a link to that, rather than trying to text yourself while you're driving to work or doing something while you're while you're maybe working out. So Connor, we're just about done. Would you share with us maybe one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye okay yeah definitely um for me i would say never underestimate god um i think that is something that i have done in my relationship with him a lot um is underestimate him but god is he's more than we can handle um and we don't really know what we're dealing with with god and um God is amazing and he's great and he's really big. And so for me, I've seen all my wildest dreams. Like I've had to come up with new dreams because I've seen all my wildest dreams fulfilled already. And I'm like, Oh, oh, that's unfortunate. I'm really young. I have to come up with better ones. Um, But God is a really powerful God. And when things are submitted to him, they become beautiful. And um, in my own life, it's been kind of frightening how well he can redeem things. Um, he he very intentionally has redeemed every difficult part of my life. Um, all the mess that I went through that last summer, um, he went through and, and redeemed it all. And it was, like I said, it was kind of, it was almost frightening how good he was at it. I was like, wow, you're a really powerful God. Hmm. And so in studying the word, I've realized that he is, he is a really powerful God. And I don't think we give him enough credit for that. You know, the star breather almighty God of the universe is more powerful than we can ever understand. And we don't know what we're dealing with. I think he's, when he 
you know, comes back and descend from the heavens to, you know, come back in the uh, second advent. Like, I think we're going to be very surprised of what we see because I, I think we, we do underestimate him a lot. Um, and so I, I would say never underestimate God and always be willing to lose yourself to find Christ. Um, I, I am trying my hardest to lay down all of my rights every day and, um, and follow Christ. And I find that the more I am able to lay down my rights to this God, this amazing God, um, the freer I am, the more I become almost enslaved to Christ, the, the more free I am, the more, you know, joyful I am, the more powerful, like, like powerfully I can walk in Christ. Um, so yeah, I would say never underestimate God and always be able to lose yourself and find Christ. Um, and as far as connecting with me, um, I, I guess Facebook right now would be the, the best way, or my email is um, e as in Edwin dot Connorbrit at gmail dot com. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about this and man, I just wish I would have started out the interview by asking you to just brag on God. We probably would have done that for 45 minutes <laughs> instead. That, that's great. Connor, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.